This podcast contains adult language and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. I don't think I'm ever going to get a fan base nickname out of us, so we're moving on. Anyway, guys. Everybody did have strong opinions on U2, though, which was cool. Yeah, it's true. I did notice that most people thought Nickelback and U2 were equally as bad, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Hey, real quick, before we get into this episode, we need to say a huge thank you to our listeners, Annie and Andrea, who let us know that they changed their Amazon Smile charity to DNA Doe Project. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I know it really made Erica's day to see that you guys took the time to do that and post it to your stories. And because you did, we're going to send you some from Crime to Crime merch. So keep an eye on your DMs for a message from us. So this week is an interesting one because it kind of touches on both of what Erica and I like. I really like the serial killer side of things. She really likes missing people and unsolved things. And so this week we have the West Mesa Bone Collectors. And for both of us, we like Breaking Bad. And this takes place in Albuquerque, New Mexico. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with Breaking Bad, but yeah, same place. No, but it takes part on the west side of Albuquerque, known as the West Mesa. That's really sad because Albuquerque is only known for like this and meth. Um. The Simpsons had them with the isotopes. Remember, the Springfield isotopes moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, okay. Oh, and they yeah. have they have the balloon festival too. Oh the- yeah, I saw that in Breaking Bad. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have the hot air balloons. Okay, so you're right. It takes place in West Mesa. Back in the early 2000s, Albuquerque was expanding like crazy, pretty much booming. But in 2008, the recession caused. KB Homes to abandon housing developments that were half done, where the land was graded or leveled, but not built. Some houses were built, some weren't, and they just halted everything because they ran out of money and they couldn't sell houses anyway. What a hit for KB Homes. You know that investment developers like that are are not looking to just get rid of an investment, so... Oh, yeah, they must no. have lost millions of oh, dollars yeah. on that. Yeah, big time. Where this particular development was, was in an area known as West Mesa, which if you don't live in the desert, a mesa is like a hill or like a mountain kind of that's flat on the top. So like a plateau. Mm, yes, similar to a plateau, but plateaus are bigger because a mesa is between like 11,000 square feet and four square miles and a plateau <laughs> is bigger than four square miles. <laughs> Why do you know that off the top of your head? Because I like to research. And fun fact, buttes are smaller than mesas. Buttes are less than 11,000 square feet. But they're all pretty much the same thing. A butte, a mesa, a plateau. You get it. It's a hill that's flat on the top. I learned something new. Thank you. You're welcome. So in early 2009, a lady named Christine Ross was walking her dog Ruka in some of these areas that had been graded and leveled but there was no homes built so it was just like an open area that her dog could run and her dog found a bone sticking up out of the ground which is not ideal oh man can you imagine just out and about it was like when we talked about amber Hagerman, and this guy was just out walking his dog too like yep walking your dog is important guys not just for your health and your dog's health yeah this is how we're finding stuff yeah just walk your dog my dogs won't find anything (laughs) 
both your dogs are blind. Correct. <laughs> so, but I guess they could still smell. Probably, I don't know. They don't move that much, so probably not. <laughs> so, <laughs> when she, if you know your dogs, <laughs> I know. So, well, they're 150 billion years old. In case anybody's listening, they're like dinosaurs. So, <laughs> so anywho, you're like, Ruka found a bone, and at first, Christine was. Like, I'm sure, like, oh, whatever, maybe not anything. I would think you'd think it was, like, an animal bone, honestly. Right, because... Out there? Yeah. But she decided that it looked awkward, so she sent a a picture message to her sister in a text. And her sister's a nurse, and everybody who knows a nurse knows you ask them everything, like... Right, of course. Anything happens, and I text Aunt Dee Dee, like, excuse me, is this normal? So They're smarter than doctors most of the time. Well, that's a true story. So... She sent the picture to her sister, who's a nurse, and the sister confirmed that it looked like a human femur bone. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Like, if there's one, there's got to be more. At least that's what I would think. Well, and it was just sticking up out of the ground. Like, that's... Yeah. The dog didn't dig for it or anything, so obviously she calls the police. So when the police get there, they're like, oh, great, now we got to dig because they got to find the rest of this body. And it's just a big sand pit. Oh, my. Oh, how awful to just have to dig for a body in. Yeah. So they start digging, and they bring in tractors and excavators, and I'm sure, you know, people who are professionals at that, archaeologists or crime scene people and by late february which is like two months they had found the skeletal remains of 11 women and one unborn baby oh my lord so it turned out to be the largest crime scene in new mexico history and most of the graves were shallow but some had been disturbed by like the excavators and the bulldozers and stuff which made them deeper and scattered So it ended up being a very big area when they don't think that they were originally buried that far from each other, but it obviously... The people moving the dirt just move them around too? Right. Which... Wow. Sometimes I listen to this story and I'm like, how did they not see that? When they're using these excavators and digging. Then other times I think about it and it's like, well... Maybe it was just color of the dirt. I've never used an excavator, but if anybody has and can tell us like if that would be useful, go to our Instagram from crime to crime and let us know. I would think that, yeah, that you would see something like that in the dirt coming out. But it also, you know, I'm sure it's really dusty and stuff when they're digging. So maybe you just can't see that well when you're running those big machines. I don't know. Nobody would ever let me run one of those machines. So I have no idea. That's true. You only have one good eye. Yeah. Well, hey. We don't need to be oh, telling so, everybody about my disabilities. Uh, oh. so, sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't need people to know that I'm short and blind, Grant. <laughs> okay. Hey, you're married. You know, worked out. Painfully <laughs> employed. <laughs> Dumb. Well, you're married, gainfully employed. You're fine. <laughs> yes, I am fine. So they began the painstaking task of identifying all these remains. One by one, they just had to start, you know, DNA, dental records, all this stuff. Well, like, is nobody wondering where these women are? Are these not missing people? Mm. They are missing people. So there was an Albuquerque detective named Ida Lopez who had noticed a spike in missing women. She'd noticed a spike of missing women from an area known as the war zone. And she started to keep track of them. And most of them were sex workers or drug addicts or people struggling. 
And from 2001 to 2006, she had compiled a list of 17 missing women. Eight of them ended up being identified as eight of these 11 women. That's crazy. And was Ida Lopez, was she former vice or something? So she was more familiar with these girls? I'm Everything I've read said that she was a missing persons detective. So obviously this is her detail. Right. So... The first victim to be identified was a woman named Victoria Chavez, and she was 26 years old, and she was reported missing in March of 2005, and she struggled with addiction, and she had a few arrests for sex work. So 22-year-old Michelle Valdez and her four-month-old unborn baby were the second to be identified in February of 2009, and she was reported missing in February of 2005, so four years before Yeah. What a find, too. Like, I mean, this is already bad enough, and come across that, it just yeah. <laughs> makes that even worse. A baby, I know. Yeah, yeah, really. So she was also known to struggle with drugs and had arrest for sex work, and she was also a mother of a child already. So the third victim to be identified was 32-year-old mm. Cinnamon Elks. She was the oldest victim, And she was reported missing in 2004. And she's been reported to know at least three of the other victims, like casually. Wow. Gina, Victoria, and Julie. She was a mother of two, and she also struggled with drugs and had a few arrests for sex work. So Julie Nieto was the fourth victim to be identified. She was 24. And she was also a mother who struggled with drugs and had a few arrests for sex work. She was reported missing in 2004, and a few years later, her sister Valerie was found dead in a motel room of a drug overdose. Oh, so they kind of think maybe they were running the same same crowd and, you know. Their mother, who's now raising both of their children, has said that her sister was so distraught over her sister being missing that she just couldn't handle it and that's probably one thing that led to her overdose wow. and it's really heartbreaking for their mom because she had to bury her daughter who died of a drug overdose and shortly after she had to bury her they found all these remains on the west mesa and one of them ended up being her other missing daughter man yeah that's awful what a- yeah it's heartbreaking yeah monica candelaria was 22 when she went missing in 2003 and investigators said she may have had gang ties and she had one arrest for sex work veronica romero was reported missing on valentine's day in 2004 she was 27 and she was the sixth victim to be identified doreen marquez 27 was a mother of two who struggled with drugs but there was no evidence that she was ever involved in sex work and she went missing between 2003 and 2004 Solania Edwards stands out a little bit because she was the only victim to not be from Albuquerque, and she was the only victim who was African-American. She was a foster child who ran away from her foster home in Lawton, Oklahoma, and she was last seen in Denver in the summer of 2004. I know the police thought that because she was so different than the other victims, physically and geographically and age-wise she was so young that they Mm. thought maybe something about her would lead them to the killer like maybe there was some sort of connection but doesn't seem to have worked out that way so virginia cloven was 23 she was reported missing in october of 2004 and she had ran away from home when she was 17 after her brother had been shot and killed in an incident that was later ruled self-defense And she was living with a boyfriend who got hit by a car and ended up in a coma. 
And this is generally believed to be about the time that she ended up living on the streets and struggling with addiction. Wow. So one bad break after another. Yeah, that's a lot to handle. Yeah. Evelyn Salazar, 23, was last seen in April of 2004, and she was headed to a park with her 15-year-old cousin, Jamie Barella, who was also never seen again. Evelyn only had one prior arrest for sex work, and she was the 10th victim to be identified. Jamie Barella, 15, would be the 11th victim identified, and it, it took them almost a year after the first bones were discovered before they identified her, and she had no history of drugs or sex work. Do they have any idea how she got kind of caught up in all this? Well, she went missing with her cousin, Evelyn Salazar. They were last well, seen headed to a park together after a family barbecue. And they just think that she was abducted and or both of them were abducted. I think the implication from the police is that she was involved in drugs and sex work with her cousin, but the family emphatically mm. denies it. Oh, I see. OK. So after all 11 victims and the unborn baby had been identified, there's still nine women on Ida's list that have never been found. They just have no idea where these nine women are. I mean, nope. that that part of Albuquerque is very desolate. I mean, they could be buried anywhere out there, huh? They could be buried under some of the homes that were already built mm, before they abandoned the project. Or they could be buried somewhere totally separate and not related to this, you know? Yeah, maybe as, you know, excavating started happening at the site, maybe they moved their, you know, victims elsewhere because... You know, they thought, oh, this yeah, might not a, be the best spot anymore. That's a common theory that when construction started on the West Mesa, whoever had been doing this stopped burying their victims there and moved on. Oh. It is believed that most of the victims were buried there between 2001 and 2006. And they know that because they found satellite images of the West Mesa from 2001 before that the terrain is you know, a certain way. And then mm. starting after that, the satellite images, you could see tire tracks and Ugh. what looked to be disturbed dirt. So probably oh, wow. graves. Wow. Crazy. In the satellite images. And no one has no one gone in like looked at those. What do you mean? Like gone to them and dug them up. Well, that's where they just found these 11 people. No, I know that, I'm not talking no, I'm about a different area. I'm talking about this specific area. They Now that they found all these bodies there, they went back in time and looked at satellite images. And oh, so that's why oh. they think that they were buried between 2001 and 2006. Because in 2001, the area looked a specific way. And starting then until 2006, all the satellite images the ground was disturbed and there was tire tracks and different things I that gotcha. were never there before. Okay. So they gotcha. think that's when all the women were buried there was during that time okay. frame. Gotcha. I have heard theories that there are other locations that they've tried looking at satellite images from and that they've done ground penetrating radar and cadaver dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they haven't found any more bodies. There was bones found shortly after this at a park nearby, and it mm. en they ended up being ancient Native American remains. Oh. Yeah, you don't want to dig those up either. No. No, leave those. Yeah. So in the years since, there's been a lot of talk. KB Holmes was supposed to build a memorial park for the 11 victims, and apparently they still never did it. Yeah, I can understand them not wanting to, to do that. Yeah. Like, they, they weren't looking for something, you know. They were just looking to build some homes. 
So I can understand them wanting to put that off as long as possible. Although they have the land, what else are they going to do with it? They might as well make a park out of it. Yeah, well, they say they can't that they don't have the funding for it, so they haven't done it. Oh, yeah, they have the funding for it. <laughs> KB Homes is huge. They don't want to do it. Right? So, in the 11 years since the discovery of the bones, there have been a lot of persons of interest, because it turns out lots of shitty people in Albuquerque, but no arrests, and the police have never named a suspect. But there's a lot of shitty men, so apparently the list is long. Okay, let's talk about the two main People of interest in this case. <laughs> yeah. So the first one is Lorenzo Montoya, and he was 31 in 1998 when he was arrested for solicitation. And then in 1999, he was arrested for rape. Ugh. Yeah, he's gross. A dirtbag. So this is an interesting case because a cop saw him pick up a sex worker from the area that all these sex workers went missing from called the War Zone. Huh. What a name. Yeah. And he followed him and the sex worker to like an isolated area out near the airport. Uh And the cop waited a few minutes and then saw that things were going poorly, obviously, in the car. Now, I don't know why they waited if they wanted to like make sure they caught them doing something so they could arrest them. I don't know. But after a few minutes, the police officer went up to the car and he caught Montoya raping and strangling this woman. Oh, my God. Obviously, the cop saved her life. She lived. Yeah. But she was crying and traumatized, and she said that he choked her and was beating her. And I've seen a lot of things that say that when they arrested him, he only had $2 in his wallet. Oh, my gosh. So he had no injury. I mean, he was going to kill her. Yeah. Well, obviously, he wasn't planning on paying her, at least. At the very least, least, he was planning on raping her. Right. So, I don't know. That's pretty sketchy. So the charges were dropped when the victim refused to testify, probably because she was traumatized. Man, well, how awful. I, I, Who can blame her? You know? I know. I wish we could come up with a better way. Like, I don't know why she would have had to testify. The cop saw it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, why couldn't know. he testify? Like, I don't know. That seems kind of weird, but I guess whenever it was 99. So that's not your lawless land time, but might as well have been in this case. No, it's a little bit outside of that, but it's borderline. Yeah. This is the interesting thing is there's not a lot known between 99 when he attempted to kill that woman and 2006, which that whole time period that there's not a whole lot known is when all these victims went missing. So that's kind of impeccable timing. He didn't get any jail time during this time for raping and attempting to kill this woman? No, she refused to testify, so the charges were dropped. Yeah. So there's not a lot known about him from that incident in 1999 until December of 2006 when supposedly he met a woman named Sharika Hill online on an escort site, and she agreed to go to his home to perform a dance. What's a a dance? What does that mean? I would imagine like an an erotic situation. Oh. Do you have to explain? I've never... Never heard it referred to as a dance before. Yeah, like a like a strip show. Oh, don't worry, your bachelor party's coming up. You'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm looking so, forward to to stripping at that thing. Yeah, you're gonna. The way you just said that, I feel like you're gonna Dwight this whole thing. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Remember at Dwight's bachelor party when he like oh th- wrestles the thinks, stripper? No, he thinks that the stripper is like a a waitress, and he's like, "What are you giving me a taste of the chef special?" 
And she's in, she, when she was like putting her fingers in his mouth, and he's like, tastes like cigarettes. That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that part. Oh, my God. Uh, in that German restaurant, remember? I remember the German restaurant, but. And he's yeah, like, we'll have an onion loaf part. for the table. <laughs> That's and, why The Office is so funny, because I forget everything from it until yeah. when I watch it again. It's all super funny again. Yeah, no, it's great. So anyway, when she agreed to go to his home to perform whatever it is they agreed upon, she picked up her boyfriend, Frederick Williams, and he decided to wait for her in the car and, like, drive around the trailer park while she was (laughs) doing her business, and then he would drive her home. And I think that's pretty common in those situations to have a driver. I would hope so. Like an enforcer or kind of like a protector. We've heard that before in other cases, like in the Long Island serial killer case. I think I could be a good enforcer or protector for a sex worker. Yeah. Maybe things don't go any better with the podcast. Look into that. Yeah. So when she was in there for longer than he wanted her to be, he started to get kind of nervous and he called her cell phone and she didn't answer. So he started driving around the trailer park and when he drove by Montoilets, see, that's (laughs) a better name. Yeah, it is a better name for him. When he drove by Montoya's trailer, he saw him walking out to his car with something large wrapped in a blanket. And oh, man. Williams got out of the car and the two started arguing because he felt like he knew that it was Sharika in the blanket. And oh, my God. He said he was going to call the cops and Montoya dropped what was in the blanket and him and Williams went at it. And according to Williams, Montoya pulled a gun and Williams pulled his gun and shot Montoya six times. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So. Man. I am when, not for the death penalty, but I am. I am for vigilante street justice. justice. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So. When the police arrived, they found, obviously, Montoya dead on the ground because he did not survive six gunshot wounds. But they also found Sharika Hill deceased, naked, bound with duct tape in that blanket. Uh, So we don't even get to know what more Montoya could have done. I mean, maybe maybe that's why this is still unsolved is because that guy is dead and there was no. Yeah. How are you going to ask to go with? Right, exactly. He's not going to admit to anything, but he sure fits the profile. Well, he fits the profile and the timeline and the area, and we obviously know he's capable because he killed Sharika Hill. So, So, okay. Sounds like we got our guy. He's just dead. So So homicide charges against Williams were dropped after the investigators decided that it was self-defense. So he did not go to jail for killing Montoya, which I think is fair. Yeah, I think it's fair, too. So when they searched Montoya's home, they found guns and duct tape in his home. And there are reports that show that he, from his bank records, that show that he purchased blankets the day before Sharika's murder. So some people speculate, like, he planned this. Well, maybe he certainly had sounds like it. done this before. Right. Oh, yeah. There was a, a lot of blankets purchased right before Sharika's murder. But I didn't hear anything about, well, they looked farther back into his bank records and he buys blankets all the time or anything like that. So, I don't know. The police also found a videotape in the home and they've released audio from that videotape that sounds like duct tape and then somebody like opening a trash bag, which is like real sketchy sounding. 
to say the least. Why would you have an audio tape of that if that's what that was? Yeah, that's weird. Why would you record anything like that? So his death in 2006 is like impeccable timing because yeah, whether it was because he died or because they started construction on the burial grounds, that was when the murders on the West Mesa stopped. So... Oh, well, man, I mean, so obviously Montoya totally sounds like he could be it. But there's another suspect in this case too, Joseph Balea, who also fits this very well. <laughs> yeah, he does. His first wife called the police a week after the remains were found. And she was like, hey, you want to check out this jackass that I used to be married to? Because I think you need to look at him. Check this mofo out. Yeah. And the cops were like, well, we know about him because in 2015, he was convicted of rape and kidnapping of four middle school girls from 1998 to 1993. And he was connected by DNA. So oh my God. DNA connected him later on to stuff that happened from 88 to 93. That was horrific. He was known as the mid-school rapist. Oh, the mid-school rapist. Like what a... Yeah. Rapist anything is already bad, but... He I mean, was like, horrible. You know, he would, like, wait oh, in yeah. girls' homes after oh, school. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And he'd rape them at knife point. It was terrible. Oh, I knew he was bad, but no, I didn't know that. Oh. Oh, yeah. And his DNA was also found on a deceased sex worker in 1985. But he was never charged with her murder, so I don't know why. Yeah, how is he? how did he get out of that? I don't know. He's a slippery son of a bitch, obviously. Yeah, I'm looking. I just looked him up on Google, and he is he is a like scary looking dude. Yeah, he's sketchy. <laughs> he's serving a 36 year prison sentence now for those rapes, but he was not in prison when these murders took place, which he should have been because these rapes were from the 80 from 88 to 93, and then his. DNA was found on a deceased sex worker in 1985, so he should have been in prison, but he wasn't. And he is a landscaper by trade, and that's uh -huh. pretty significant because one of the only pieces of physical evidence that they've ever found... This is my favorite thing. This is my this is one of my favorite parts of this entire case. Yeah, because if this link... If this could be what links him, it's like, oh, you idiot. Yeah. But one of the only pieces of physical evidence that they've ever said that they found, they may have found more, but the only thing that they've ever said that they found was a skew tag from a spearmint juniper bush or tree. I don't know if a juni I don't know if that's a tree or a bush. Let me look it up. Yeah. You keep going. You keep going. I'll look it up while you keep going. Okay. And they found that skew tag and it was next to the body of Victoria Clovens. Oh, see, that's the thing. Like, just when we thought Montoya was it. Joseph Balea comes raring back in and going like, hey guys, it could well, be me too. Yeah, so apparently this nursery in California sells plants to a nursery in Albuquerque and that business records say that Balea purchased from this nursery in Albuquerque. So they haven't said that there's any proof that he purchased that specific plant, but he was a known customer of that nursery that sold the skew tag that was found in the grave. So it, it's not exactly the same, but it's so close and so... Yeah, so... but you know what? For me, it's like that is so close and it's crazy how he aligns with everything but this guy's dna was on a dead woman and he has never been charged with her murder so i 
I don't think a skew tag from a plant is going to cut it. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> like Although, somehow he's getting away with things that he should not be getting away with. But what year did he get away with that with that dead woman's 85. DNA? Oh, lawless land. That's what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. not anymore. Maybe we cut that shit out. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of theories and a lot of different, you know, there's a lot more suspects than just that. There was a guy who was a photographer that used to come to Albuquerque all the time to take pictures of the fair or something. And he had like really awkward photos, but his alibi is proven to check out for when a lot of the girls went missing. And I don't know. There's a lot of persons of interest, but nobody seems to check every box the way that Montoya and Blea do for me, in my opinion, allegedly. So we have two suspects who are persons very of similar. interest, according to the police. We have two persons of interest, according to the police, who are kind of doing the same thing at the same time. So yeah, which is what, like, ugh. what are the what are the, th- what are the chances? So what are the theories? Well, my theory, well, if you're asking, yeah, what's your me, favorite? What's your favorite? I think Joseph Blea, the landscaper with the skew tag. Uh-huh. I think he's responsible for the West Mesa murders, in my opinion. Really? I do. And I think Lorenzo Montoya is responsible for the other nine women that are still on Ida Lopez's list that have never been found. Interesting. Okay. Even though Montoya lived closer to the West Mesa burial site, they always say that, like, oh, he lived right there, so it was probably him. It's like, I would never bury a body right where I live. I'd go farther away from my house. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but remember too that you want to go close because you want to know what's around. Yeah. Well, keep an eye on it, but you want you know the area. You know you'll yeah. know that there's no one who's gonna that KB Homes is you know not building right there. Or, okay, or nothing's happening right there. So maybe I think the opposite then. Maybe Lorenzo Montoya is responsible for the West Mesa victims, and Joseph Leia is responsible for the other women that are still missing. But then the plant tag. No, I think Joseph Did, Leia is the one that. That's Do these two have for these any 11. connection to each other at all in any way? Oh, Belay not the, Montoya, not I a single thing. I don't know. Not that I've ever read. Yeah, but I don't I know. Think so I don't either. know. I don't know either one of them. So that is crazy that that could be going on, and Walter White could be cooking meth at the same time. Yeah. Well, the other no thing, idea what's happening in Albuquerque. Yeah. So the other thing that's crazy too, though, is that some people say like, oh. There could be two serial killers using the same dumping grounds, which is true. That's yeah. possible. Obviously, if there's this many terrible people killing women in this, like if they have this many suspects, it's possible that they could be using the same desolate area to bury their victims. But what are the chances that they would all be so close to each other, like so close together? You think yeah, that they would be, weird. yeah, you think that they would be a little more random spread out, like they're all within i mean obviously a large area cuz they had to dig for 2 months but a close enough area where i don't think it's two separate killers i think one killer's responsible for these 11 and i think another one is responsible for the other 9 it's interesting that they're not working together too like again i just think it's so interesting that that, that they could be so close and just so separate at the same time but um yeah i think that probably would make a lot of sense um but I definitely think both of them had something to do with multiple women being victimized and missing at once. Yeah. Well, we know for sure that Montoya is capable of murder. Yeah, absolutely. 
And with what Joseph Lay has been convicted of, I wouldn't put anything past him. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily fit his M.O. as the, what was it, the the mid-school... Rapist. Rapist? Oh, my gosh. I know. That that hurts to say that. I know. Yeah, that's a a really... It's foul. Yeah. But it doesn't fit that M.O., but the fact that his DNA was found on a deceased sex worker in 1985, that is the same thing. Yeah. So, both these guys are awful, and... They're both probably the killer. So, I mean, what's your theory? I mean, I definitely think that they both had something to do with multiple women going missing. And I would even be surprised if they were like crossing paths, not at the same time, but yeah, like maybe they knew each other. Yeah. Well, I don't think they knew each other. I think that maybe, I mean, they may have because they're doing the same thing in the same area. So it's definitely possible they actually cross paths that way. But I think that they may have buried. They're like victims together or in the same area, you know, some in the West Mesa, some on the other side, some where we don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, it that's makes the sense. Other, that's the other like common theory is that they were picked up because they were all involved in sex work. And I, what if that's has nothing to do with it? I know that sounds crazy, but two at least two of the women were not known to be sex workers. So how would he come in contact with them? Maybe they were trying to hitchhike, you know, maybe who knows? Like there's, there's lots of different ways. I think that somebody can, you know, maybe he was trying to sell something to him on Craigslist, you know? Well, like, that's what just... I think because most of them, most of them except Jamie Barella were known to struggle with drugs. So that's another thing is like, maybe it was a drug dealer. Yeah, I could see that too. I could see that for sure. You know, there's been a lot of theories that it's gang related you know it's an initiation for a gang oh, God. and so that's why there's so many victims in one area to me the gang thing i understand what they're saying but what is the likelihood that that many people know about something and it doesn't come out like somebody know. doesn't gangs crack are, and gangs, say something gangs are usually pretty tight-lipped you know there's a whole you know bitches get stitches thing well i get it but what about what's the other What's the chances that that many... So say that this was some sort of gang initiation thing to mm-hmm. kill a woman and bury her in this area. Just say that that's the theory. Right. What are the chances that that many people got away with it? Like left no evidence whatsoever. No, that's true. That's true. I think I'm back to these two. I think these two have to be I know. involved. Whenever they say that, oh, maybe it was like drug related or cartel or gang, it's like, this just feels like these two scumbags. Well, one thing we didn't talk about is maybe they had something to do with some of them, but not all of them. And maybe there was another person who was involved in this, or maybe there was multiple other people involved in this. We, you know, there's nothing that says that's not a theory too. Right. Or if it was drug related, maybe Blea or Montoya, whichever one or both maybe they're in cahoots somehow with the drug dealer that did this and <laughs> I know I miss dancing yeah bring um, it back but maybe they're in cahoots with each other and they're like hey the word on the street when these girls were going missing is that they were being murdered and buried in the West Mesa so if that was going around gossip wise then maybe other people were just like oh when I kill somebody I'm bury him in the West Mesa you know? Yeah, that's yeah, maybe that's definitely could be something. Which, is but what awful are the chances again, but... that they're going to pick the exact location, though? Yeah, that's true. That does make things. I know. Although, 
in the same area. If everyone knows that area is desolate, if you're from that area and you know that area is desolate, you know that nobody really goes there, you know that it's, you know, abandoned for the most part. Like, yeah. you know, it, if you're from there, you start going. That's the frustrating part with all the reports where they're like, oh, the word on the street was these girls were getting killed and buried in the West Mesa. It's like, who? Who's saying that? Ida Lopez was hearing those rumors before these bodies were found. So it's like, who the I'm- hell is saying that? Well, I think I remember hearing it was other sex workers she was getting that info from. Well, I know. But where are they getting that info from? That's what I'm saying. Like, follow this telephone train back to the start. Yeah. Well. I mean, I'm uh, sure they tried. I'm I'm not saying that they didn't try. But I'm just, somebody had to start that rumor. And where did they hear that from? That's true. That's true. You know, there's something out there that obviously no one's talking about. But Yeah, because when a rumor turns out to be true, it's like, ooh, did you guess that? Yeah. No, they didn't guess. Probably not. Unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to find out unless Balea or somebody else confesses because Montoya is not coming back to say anything. Nope. Or unless the cops have more evidence than they've released. And that could be too. We keep hearing that, that they keep finding more evidence. Speaking of which, did you hear that John Benet Ramsey might have some new evidence? We might have to do that case eventually. Yes, I did hear that. And yeah. I've heard that before, so I'm not going to get my hopes up because we hear this every couple of years with the DNA in that case. Maybe we'll cover that in a couple of years when we're better. Or when it's solved, uh, finally. Or when it's solved. Maybe it can uh, be for- one of our solved cases, please. <laughs> I would love a solved case. So that pretty much is the case. You have anything else to add tonight, Grant? Just that it is a juniper tree for anybody who's wondering. I wanted to let you know. And two, go visit our Instagram from Crime to Crime because we're going to have some new merch coming out and we're going to be doing some giveaways on Instagram. Going to be easy ways to enter and, you know, you can earn shirts, mugs, stickers. We're going to have several different things for everybody. So, again, come to our Instagram from Crime to Crime. Or if you just want to chit chat, you can send us an email at from crime to crime podcast at gmail.com. Dot com, baby. You got anything else tonight? We've had way too much coffee today. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm good. You got anything? No, this was such a serious case, and I've been, like, wired the whole time. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, trying to be, like, not sound like I'm excited, because I'm not excited. That's why I was like, dot com! I had to get it out. Yeah. yeah. This case was so mellow. <laughs> it is. A, well, yeah, there's not a whole lot going on when you're just... Well, there's zero funny items about 11 murdered women and an unborn baby. So Right. Right. It's kind of hard to be funny, guys. We'll try to be funny next week. Every day. No. I can't commit to every day. I can. So, are you all done here? I'm done. Well, I guess that's it. I love you. Love you too. Bye.